What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast. My first solo venture here on the Second Turnbuckle Podcast. Crash Andrews, my co-host, is a very, very busy man this week. We couldn't make the timing work. Everything in preparation for him going to Monday Night Raw in Edmonton this upcoming Monday, which... You know, it's funny. He and I were kind of talking a little bit before it was decided, like, hey, let's let's just I'll, I'll handle this one. Don't worry about it. Do I try to find somebody else? You know, I thought about it, <laughs> but at the same time, we're so early into this podcast. Introducing a third voice right now might not be the best way to go about it. But, you know, it's funny because Crash and I were talking about the idea of him going. And he said to me and literally, I quote, there was a time where I didn't want to go because, well, Vince and the, the product, but. They're excited to go now, which I think is is really cool. You know, obviously, uh, I can't relate to Crash directly in terms of being a father, but the idea of, you know, I think the idea for most people, you know, you, you remember like what your parents were passionate about and what they shared with you in terms of their interest. And if you had that common interest there, just what kind of special feeling that is. And then to be on the other side of it now as a parent, that's got to be pretty damn cool. And I hope to get to experience that someday but if there was ever a week for crash to miss an episode this was probably it because honestly not too much has happened in the wrestling world in between shows here you know over the past week obviously more continued talk about as it's been coined to brawl out which you know talking about the aw backstage side of things aside from one particular point um you know isn't really all that interesting at this stage, and I'll elaborate more on that here in a few minutes. There was the PWI Top 500 being released as it is yearly. And, of course, that is a, a kayfabe publication, which can be fun to talk about. But, obviously, somehow there's still toxic discourse surrounding it. But, you know, I used to buy PWIs back in the day. I think I still have a couple in... Honestly, I think I have, like, this giant tote in my parents' basement still that that has some of the old WWE magazines, the WWF magazines, PWI. So I need to go find that someday. But there's really not too much to discuss. You know, we could have talked about in the kayfabe sense of like, oh, who should have been number one? But again, that's that's in a kayfabe sense. You have the fighting on social media between EC3 and... Uh, the former Velveteen dream that took up quite a few of the headlines there, which who cares? Like, who who cares? Really? I mean, you're talking about squandered potential for both of them on a massive level. And now they're resorting to arguing on social media. Who really cares? You had Matt Hardy mentioning that we're getting close to meeting, quote, the new Jeff Hardy. I didn't get a chance to ask Crash about this, but I know for me that I can't say I'm overly excited about the proposition of Jeff Hardy taking three and a half, four months off and then coming back. As a fan of Jeff Hardy's, I wouldn't be opposed to uh, never really seeing the guy wrestle again, I think. You know, uh, some time away, if not permanent time away, would do him a world of good in a lot of ways. It's not necessarily fair to sit here and judge somebody in terms of 
you know, their personal life and how they choose to conduct themselves. But I think at the same time, most wrestling fans can agree. You just kind of want what's best for the guy at this stage. And given the fact that he's been out there on the road and there was a DUI within the past couple months, obviously, which spurned his AEW suspension, it certainly doesn't feel like it's the best thing. But we'll see what happens there because we we still don't really know. So it kind of brings us then to three main topics, WWE, AEW, and a more generalized one that I want to start off today's show with that I think would have been interesting to get into uh, with Crash, but I can still touch up on it a little bit here. And that being really this this week, especially the theme of wrestlers talking about their personal stories and their personal struggles. Uh, for AEW, already in the past few days, you have had Powerhouse Hobbs uh, put out a video talking about, you know, his personal struggles and the idea of, hey, it's okay for men to cry. Eddie Kingston on Wednesday, the 21st, had a nine-minute video drop on AEW socials talking about the same thing, uh, as if I couldn't be more of a fan of these two already. Um you know, I've been open and honest about it here for anyone who, I mean, I imagine the vast majority of people who listen to the show are aware of Crash and I to begin with and have been longtime, you know, supporters of ours and our endeavors. But it is that idea as for someone who can heavily, heavily relate to the mental health struggle side of things, seeing someone out there like a powerhouse Hobbs, like an Eddie Kingston. Uh, yeah, no, it means a lot. It really does. Uh, Eddie is someone whose career I've been following for a very, very long time. Uh, back in, you know, I was a huge fan of Chikara, I think, as I've mentioned before on the show. And to see, you know, him now, 10 years after I saw him wrestle Sarah Del Rey in a super small community rec center in South Portland, Maine, for the Chikara Championship, the Grand Championship, that is. And to still see him now, knowing that tonight, Wednesday the 21st, Dynamite Grand Slam. He'll have the match, obviously, that'll be uh, taped for Rampage against Sammy Guevara. It just makes you feel good for somebody. And, you know, it wasn't, unfortunately, all positive in a sense uh, with the the Powerhouse Hobbs and Eddie Kingston stuff. Wardlow also put out an interview talking about, you know, his struggles of overcoming drugs, alcohol, and depression as well. I highly recommend you go and check that out. But kind of taking the, the lead in the forefront in terms of this topic in this category it was Malachi Black and his social media post talking about his personal life, where he's at right now in terms of the mental health side of things, uh, the physical side of things. And unfortunately, because of the way some people within the wrestling media conduct themselves, having to mention details about like, hey, my marriage is fine. Thanks for debating that as to whether or not that's what's wrong. Like, you know, really just kind of going off about, you know, being frustrated about a lot of the things that were out there, you know, kind of continuing the general sense of being frustrated uh, with the leaks, of course. And that is one of the big things that has been surrounding AEW is, of course, the discussion of leaks in the past you know, really nine months to the, to the past year. And, you know, leaks have always been a part of wrestling, at least in my lifetime, They've really been a thing for 40 years now, you know, dating back to the early 80s with you know, Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer. So it's nothing new. 
every single company, every major company that has been out there has had this type of drama. It can be amplified at times, certainly, uh, whether it be, you know, the conversations in the, you know, mid to late 1997 regarding all the drama going on with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. It can certainly be amplified at a time like this with what happened at the end of All Outs. Obviously, there's everything WCW related. It doesn't matter what company it is, what time frame in their lifetime, because you have to say, obviously, WCW went under, but th- this happens constantly. But for AEW, it's got to be a little bit weird for a lot of the guys there, especially for the ones that were there uh, during the health problems that Brody Lee was suffering and knowing that not a single word was leaked. And now you're at the stage where someone like Malachi Black, who, again, is rightfully frustrated at the idea that he's having to essentially dispel rumors of like, oh, my, yeah, hey, my, no, my marriage isn't falling apart. Fuck you. You know, it's it's just, it's not right. And it, it sucks, right? Because obviously for, you know, as a fan of, you know, AEW, but as a fan of Malachi Black, I have called him my favorite wrestler right now in the world. And that still holds true. You know, it's it's obviously frustrating enough as a fan to just be like, oh shit, he's not in a good place and he's stepping back. Not even a like, oh, what company is he going to go to? But it just kind of sucks to know that someone who's provided me that much entertainment has struggled on these levels. And then it sucks to know that like, yeah, and, you know, people are trying to throw out stuff there about whether or not like the speculation about his personal life. It's just not great. So that is really kind of my big takeaway from this week. And I it just makes me wonder what the attitude will be moving forward. And unfortunately, I don't see a ton of change. I really don't in in terms of the idea of rumor culture, essentially, and backstage reporting. Like it's the market is there, uh, I think, is very well proven by the fact that we saw that we saw Sean Ross Sapp and Fightful mention that uh, that particular Patreon had gotten like 11,000 patrons you know, exponential growth in the aftermath of what happened at All Out. This will probably be the best month uh, that that publication ever has. Uh, And that's not to say, you know, anything about it, but it's just the fact that it shows you end up with, um, you know, drama like this. And yeah, people, people will go after it. We've known that for a long time. There is a big reason why you still have newspaper publications, why you still have magazines, why you still have sites like TMZ, or even why like Entertainment Weekly is huge. It's just people love drama. They love to consume drama. It's the reason why reality television's there as well. It does suck though when again someone in Malachi Black's position has to say, like, hey, yeah, no, this it, essentially if you didn't hear it from me, it's bullshit type of thing. That does suck. But it is interesting just how much, uh, you know, in terms of mental, physical health has been pushed to the forefront, really, in this past week. Of course, September is Suicide Awareness or Suicide Prevention uh, Month, so it also ties into that as well. To quickly talk about the WWE, the biggest news of the past week, really two two to three big stories. Uh, Roman Reigns, Logan Paul announced as the main event for their next trip to Saudi Arabia. Um I, you know, it's something that I've mentioned for a for a while. Is just the idea that um, you know, 
the Saudi Arabia the Saudi Arabia deal was kind of one of the final straws for me as a as a fan of this company. And I have not once watched one of these. There is nothing they could put they could teleport 2011 Sting and Undertaker and finally have that big match and I wouldn't watch it. There's just no way. Um obviously Roman Reigns wins, they'll get a lot of social media buzz. It's just it is it is what it is in terms of this. And I know uh, Crash wasn't necessarily overly uh, hyped for this as well. I do have a couple of thoughts from Crash in regards to the WWE product here that we can mention here in a second. But yeah, it's just a main event like this. It's like, okay, cool. Roman takes, uh, you know, Roman takes some uh, time off, a pay-per-view off, and he goes to Saudi Arabia. It's, you know, it just it just doesn't move the needle for, for me or for Crash. I think I can speak for both of us, both of us on that. Uh, NXT, interesting time for them in the past week. You know, we had kind of mentioned the breaking news on our last show when we recorded it was that NXT, of course, was changing the logo back over. It was also announced that they're bringing the TakeOver branding back. But they did something that caught a lot of people's attention, and that was the idea of Solo Sokoa showing up and winning the NXT North American Championship. And then on NXT, they just had him vacate it. He he was stripped of the title, and Crash had this to say in regards to this. uh, Honeymoon's over with Triple H. It's better than Vince, but it still feels like on-the-fly bookings happening again, mainly with Solo being stripped of the NXT North American title. Not in an event, not in a press uh, release. They waited a whole week to say the match was unsanctioned. WWE is still sloppy, but it's not as bad as it used to be. And that is my kind of thought as well. Again, as someone who hasn't watched NXT in a long time, does he like, oh, okay, so let's go. And then he defended the title on SmackDown. And then he gets stripped of the title because he wasn't the right, he wasn't the right opponent. He wasn't sanctioned to be in the match. I don't know. Maybe there are people who follow NXT who be like, oh, the context, it does make more sense. But for me, from the outside looking in, and apparently Crash agrees as well, uh, not not great. Not great. They also announced the Survivor Series in Boston, the show that already sold out. I went to a Survivor Series in Boston once upon a time. 2012? 2013. 2013. Randy Orton and Big Show was the main event. It was a god-awful pay-per-view. But they have announced that the Raw versus SmackDown branding is done and that they are changing Survivor Series over to War Games, in which there will be a men and women's War Games match. Eh. Eh. You know, it's one of those things where War Games matches can be very good. But for the most part, if you've seen a War Games match, you've pretty much seen them all. I mean, I think, you know, for the most part, you know, we've seen with some of those NXT War Games, especially when like the Undisputed Era were there. Those were very, very good matches. And then I think AEW, with their most recent blood and guts, also performed. You know, especially given the injury to Santana in the middle of that match, uh, they put on a pretty damn good match there as well. And I don't know how much further the bar can really go in terms of the quality of one of those matches, when obviously it's one of the most structured matches in wrestling history, the basic concept of, okay, here here we go, two-on-one for the heels, it's even, three-on-two for the heels, it's even. So, look, it certainly spices up a Survivor Series, something they didn't have to do with the show already being sold out. 
Uh, is it still enough for me, who's relatively close to Boston, to sit here and be like, oh, I'm going to go to this now? It's not. What might push some people that are in my spot over the limit, though, is this whole White Rabbit storyline that has been essentially entirely social media based. Uh, Crash is leaning on the side thinking that it is going to be carrying Cross. Of course, it's known that Cross was once known as the White Rabbit in Lucha Underground. I am on the side that I do think it is uh, teasing or ultimately leading to the return of Bray Wyatt. I do think the White Rabbit thing is a red herring, coincidentally, uh, to have people think it's Karrion Cross, but it doesn't really make sense for it to be Karrion Cross because what's the big surprise? It's Karrion Cross. Like, there was no surprise there anymore. Had they done this before Cross came back, sure, but he's already there. He's feuding with Drew McIntyre. There's nothing for it to really be aside from somebody like a Bray Wyatt. So I think, again, as much as I think Crash is right, you know, I think some of the honeymoon phase in terms of the booking with with Triple H is starting to, you know, fade a little bit. You know, they had on SmackDown a, a women's match involving Ronda Rousey where it was kind of the same old thing of like a five minute match. So you have like four eliminations in like 30 seconds. You know, you're you're still seeing some of the staples of of what was constantly critiqued under the you know Vince McMahon, uh, you know, leadership. We'll say, for lack of a better term, you're still seeing some of the same things there. But it is obviously funny that the the context is like, oh, people are going to get hyped for returns and big names coming back, and you know. They haven't quite used it as much of a crutch as, say, AEW did in the past. But boy, did AEW take a lot of heat for hyping. Like, oh, here's this guy coming in. And then, you know, people are overly celebrating WWE for the for the idea of, like, Braun Strowman's back and Karrion Cross is back and Dexter Loomis is back and Bray Wyatt's back. You know, obviously, the context is different in that had Triple H taken over sooner, you probably wouldn't have had these guys cut. But I don't know. It's just funny to me. But... I think Crasher, you know, Crash and I are both in a similar spot of we can acknowledge that it's certainly better, but it's not this like peak New Japan level of like, oh my God, everything's just clicking on all cylinders. But when you go from a fairly piss poor product in the past while, something like this and something that we've seen now in the past month and a half or so, it does you know, feel like a brush, uh, a brush of breath air. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, like a breath of fresh air. With that, let's talk about AEW to round out this show. Uh, wanted to mention here with uh, Crash's general thoughts. He's not overly hyped for Grand Slam. Still, the punk kind of hangover is, is still there. Obviously, this past Dynamite as well. Um, you know, it, it still does have that feeling. I did really enjoy this past episode of Dynamite, uh, the Luigi Primo uh, cameo, the introduction of the firm, which I know a lot of people were kind of down on, but I, I liked it because it it was about putting over Stokely more than any other member of the group because you're tying Stokely directly to MJF in terms of being best friends. It should be about the manager, It's kind of the idea of the Heenan family. Who was the star of the Heenan family? was Bobby Heenan. Was it supposed to be Haku? No, it was it was Bobby Heenan. Um, and of course, you had a great like uh, Jericho Danielson match. Everything set up Dynamite Grand Slam, which is coming up tonight. 
uh, the card. You have the match that was a little bit teased and is already set up. Claudio Castagnoli defending the ROH world title against Chris Jericho. I'm looking forward to this one. Crash on the side of of Claudio winning. And I, I think, you know, that that's where they go as well. But, you know, the idea of Chris Jericho being Ring of Honor world champion is pretty funny to me. You have the idea of Pac and Orange Cassidy for the Atlantic title, which I, I kind of like the setup of, of Pac and, you know, and OC being, you know, both faces, but the idea of OC kind of jumping in backstage, I do think Pac retains here as well. The women's championship, the interim women's uh, women's title, Tony Storm, Serena Diabathina, and Britt Baker. I know some people were a little bit upset about the setup for this one, and I can understand that. I again see uh, Tony Storm walking away with the win here. I'm sure Jamie Hayter will be involved in some way. I really hope Britt doesn't win to set up again her and Hayter with the belt because why wouldn't you have just done that at the pay-per-view then? The people's main events swerve in our glory against the Acclaim. The Acclaims are uh, the Acclaims. The Acclaimed are going to, to win this. Crash and I both agree uh, that it's just too big of a moment. Hopefully the crowd is as hot as they were in Chicago and I kind of like the idea that you know it should lead to Swerve and Keith Lee feuding or you know you you could tease this for a little bit and the idea as to whether or not Swerve might like try to corrupt Keith Lee and get him to turn but given that you know you knew they were going where they were going with, with the TNT title in terms of it being Wardlow the world title being what it is and the state of flux that it's in, you weren't really going to have a spot for Keith Lee in a major title picture. So I don't hate the idea of, of really both of these guys being in the tag title picture. And now they'll get to split off and feud as well. I kind of like that. They're keeping two of the uh, bigger captures from NXT that would certainly be staples on triple H led WWE programming that they're keeping these two guys busy. Main event, John Moxley, Brian Danielson. Should note here, uh, that crash has Moxley winning because of how they've set things up with MJF. And I have to be honest, I think, again, you can have the best of both worlds here, similar to what we're seeing with the women's title picture, where you don't need Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter to be feuding over the title. I think you can have Brian Danielson go off as world champion while having John Moxley potentially feud with MJF. I think there is a way to do that. Whether or not Mox still gets his uh, six weeks vacation, we shall see. But I think there is a way to do this where you can push, you know, MJF ultimately capturing this championship to the side if you want to. Or for all we know, by the end of the night, MJF, you know, maybe it is a cash-in sort of thing. I know they're not typically doing that setup, and it's more of a pre-booked match setup. Um, There's a lot of different ways they could go with this. I do see Brian Danielson winning this championship, though. Um, I should note as well, the Rampage card is fairly well stacked, and they're still in that interesting kind of balancing act of making Rampage as important as they want it to be. We'll see kind of how they move forward with that. But all things considered, I'm certainly intrigued by what's going to happen on Dynamite. WWE-wise, there are some interesting pieces in play, but I don't think the puzzle's painting as pretty of a picture as I think a lot of people were hoping it would, unless, hey, it's hitting the mark for, for you, in which case, hey, don't let my opinion 
uh, change that if you're enjoying that product then enjoy that product certainly but with that i think you know 20 minutes nearly half an hour into this bad boy i think we can call it quits for this week we will be back next week both crash and i will be able to talk about his experience at raw in edmonton and i think in general it's uh it's still a super interesting time uh, for wrestling certainly so with that of course you can follow crash andrews on twitter at crash underscore andrews on twitch at crash andrews all one word i am everywhere you can possibly think to find me at toogie 24 and We will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this abbreviated edition of the Second Turnbuckle Podcast, and we will see you next week.